Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Thursday, August 5th, 2021. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, Google has refreshed the entire Nest lineup. Expect TPUs to be a thing going forward. Ethereum's latest hard fork is live and bringing big changes. There's a new joint cyber defense collaborative with Amazon, Google, Microsoft, and the government all combating cyber attacks. And if some companies are seeing a COVID times hangover, nobody bothered to tell Hopin. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Google has refreshed its entire Nest lineup, including its video doorbell and indoor-only camera, all with a new unified design language and lower prices across the board. So come for the new look, stay for the new deal, quoting The Verge. The new models, which include an indoor-only camera, an indoor-slash-outdoor camera, a floodlight, and the video doorbell, replace the older Nest IQ cameras and Nest Hello doorbell. The main themes with the new devices are a unified design language and more accessible pricing. Each model costs less than the camera it's replacing, while adding more capabilities. The design of the new cameras will be familiar to anyone who's seen other Nest products released in the past couple of years, such as the latest Nest thermostat, Nest Wi-Fi, or the Nest Audio smart speaker. The company has been moving toward softer edges and muted color palettes, and the new cameras adhere to that, with color options that are meant to blend in, not stand out. Google is also adding a bit more intelligence to the cameras thanks to advances in on-device machine learning. The new models can detect people, animals, packages, and vehicles, and provide specific alerts for each of them without the need for cloud processing or its related subscription costs. The Familiar Faces feature, which uses cloud-based facial recognition, still requires a paid subscription, however. The idea behind it all is to cut down the noise from constant motion notifications, a common complaint with home security cameras and video doorbells. Google says the Tensor Processing Unit, or TPU, in the new cameras allows the algorithms to run on twice as many pixels and at twice the frame rate of previous Nest cams, which provides more reliable event detection and alerts, similar to how a TPU will improve the upcoming Pixel 6 smartphone's capabilities. The cameras also include three hours of event history without a subscription and have internal storage for up to an hour of event clips, roughly equivalent to a week of events, in case the Wi-Fi goes down. Lastly, Google is pitching versatility with this lineup as both the doorbell and the new Nest Cam can be used in either battery-powered or wired configurations. There is also a range of accessories available for wall or table mounting or setting up a camera indoors or out, end quote. Seems like Google plans to lean into the whole tensor processing unit thing as a branding differentiator for all of its hardware, doesn't it? This is a pretty big deal in the crypto world. Perhaps one day we'll look back at this as maybe the biggest deal of all time. Ethereum's hard fork, known as London, has been activated with changes to how transaction fees are calculated to decrease volatility, among other fixes, including making Ethereum deflationary a la Bitcoin, kind of. Maybe not. It's complicated. Quoting CNBC. It has always been a tough go for Ethereum users. The blockchain has a long-standing problem with scaling, and its highly unpredictable and sometimes exorbitant transaction fees can annoy even its biggest fans. The problem has become worse in recent months thanks to a surge in interest in non-fungible tokens, which are mostly built on Ethereum's blockchain, as well as an explosive growth in the world of decentralized finance, or DeFi, which also largely uses the Ethereum blockchain. 
Thursday's changes to the code, which has little to do with the City of London, are designed to fix many of these issues by destroying or burning Ether coins and changing the way transaction fees work so that they are more predictable. It adds a lot of complexity to the fee logic, but it's an interesting approach that could potentially stabilize the fee dynamics, said Nick Carter, Castle Island Ventures general partner and Coinmetrics co-founder. Rather than holding a blind auction every block to determine the gas price, Ethereum's protocol will algorithmically decide the transaction fee based on overall demand on the network. Having the protocol decide a uniform gas price should prevent major spikes in prices, although that doesn't necessarily mean it'll be cheaper for buyers. It is, in essence, one big hedge against the market falling totally out of whack. But an even bigger change formatted by the fork, known as EIP-1559, is a doubling of the block size. While in theory this means that twice the number of transactions can happen in each block, the upgrade has actually been designed so that the protocol only wants the block to be half full. This is meant to help smooth out spikes in demand, helping gas fees to stay stable. Though it's not getting the same attention as EIP-1559, another one of the EIPs included in the London Fork is EIP-3554, and its significance cannot be understated. This change in the code paves the way for Ethereum 2.0, an upgrade and total overhaul of the system which has been in the works for years. Ethereum 2.0 would have the network switch from the energy-intensive proof-of-work mining system, where miners solve difficult math equations to create new coins, to proof-of-stake, which just requires users to leverage their existing cache of Ether as a means to verify transactions and mint new tokens. This change will be huge, not just for Ethereum, but for the wider cryptocurrency community at large. EIP-3554 takes an important deadline that will encourage Ethereum miners to upgrade their software to prepare for the switch, known as the difficulty time bomb, and moves that deadline from summer 2022 to this December. The point of the difficulty bomb is to force miners and node operators to upgrade their software after a predetermined amount of time has passed, explained Carter. As Bunsen describes it, the proof-of-stake transition would essentially make Ethereum unminable once activated. In other words, a few years from now, once the protocol has fully migrated to a proof-of-stake model, the entire industry around Ethereum mining as it exists today will no longer be relevant, end quote. Speaking of crypto, there was a creeping worry that language in the infrastructure bill that is making its way through the U.S. Congress introduced some really broad language that would essentially make nearly any entity in crypto into a broker, by definition, thereby forcing folks to collect their users' data. Well, Senators Loomis, Wyden, and Toomey are proposing an amendment to the bill to exclude crypto developers, miners, node operators, and others from this broker definition. Quoting the block, The Wyden-Loomis-Toomey amendment, made public Wednesday, comes days after it first emerged that the trillion-dollar infrastructure bill included language aimed at tightening reporting requirements for brokers in the digital asset space, but critics quickly highlighted the vague language used in the provision which they said could subject companies not involved in the actual brokerage of digital assets to overly burdensome regulation. The push to amend the existing language won some key allies in the Senate in the days that followed, resulting in today's Senate amendment. Over the weekend, Ron Wyden, chairman of the Senate Finance Committee, wrote that the initial language was, quote, an attempt to apply brick-and-mortar rules to the internet and fails to understand how the technology works, end quote. 
Crypto industry firms including Coin Center, the Blockchain Association, Coinbase, and Ribbit Capital published a joint statement of support on Wednesday saying that the senators, quote, are right that this language would place unworkable requirements on a nascent industry and we support their proposed amendment to the provision, end quote. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. With everybody fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features Features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. I use this, and you should too. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee, so get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. The U.S. Department of Homeland Security has unveiled what is being called the Joint Cyber Defense Collaborative to combat ransomware and cyber attacks in partnership with Amazon, Google, Microsoft, and others in the tech industry. Quoting the journal, The effort will initially focus on combating ransomware and cyber attacks on cloud computing providers, said Jen Easterly, director of the DHS's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. Ultimately, she said it aims to improve defense planning and information sharing between government and the private sector. This will uniquely bring people together in peacetime so that we can plan for how we're going to respond in wartime, she said in an interview. Ms. Easterly was sworn in as CISA's director last month. She was previously a counterterrorism official in the Obama White House and the commander of the Army's first cyber operations unit at the National Security Agency, America's cyber spy agency. The partnership 
With industry, Ms. Easterly said, would improve the country's response to widespread attacks, such as last year's sophisticated hack of software maker SolarWinds. The U.S. and cybersecurity researchers have said Russian hackers were able to parlay their attack into access to more than 100 company networks and some government systems, too. Russia and China have denied that they engage in hacking. Improving information sharing between government and companies will make it easier to spot and combat threats, such as what happened with SolarWinds, Ms. Easterly said. With more and more sensitive company and personal information stored in the cloud, the providers of those vast data centers are often on the front line of cyber attacks, giving them insight into the latest hacks and the resources available to mitigate the attacks said Phil Venables, the chief information security officer with the cloud computing group at Google, a unit of Alphabet. Quote, there's a recognition and has been for a while among the cloud providers that security and increasingly high levels of security are a core part of the offering, he said, end quote. I just want to highlight a couple of tech-related earnings reports because they conform to a growing narrative that seems to be unfolding. Let's call it the hangover from good-in-COVID-times business, i.e. companies like Netflix, who had unusually turbocharged usage and thus revenue numbers during lockdown, which may be tapering off at this point. For example, Nintendo missed its Q1 consensus numbers with operating profit down 17.3% year-over-year and revenue down 9.9% year-over-year, as Switch sales declined by 21.7% year-over-year to 4.45 million units quoting The Verge. That's perhaps not surprising given the company was writing a surge in demand for video games during the first wave of the COVID-19 pandemic a year ago and had just released the mega-hit Animal Crossing New Horizons. Unlike last year when Nintendo sold more than 10 million copies of Animal Crossing to nearly double its figures from the previous quarter, there weren't any blockbuster Switch titles to bank on. New Pokemon Snap sold 2.07 million copies outside Japan. The game is published by the Pokemon Company in its home market. And Mario Golf Super Rush sold 1.34 million. Animal Crossing, meanwhile, added an extra 1.26 million copies to its total. It's now sold nearly 34 million copies worldwide, end quote. So maybe in the case of Nintendo, it's a cyclical thing in terms of blockbuster titles being released or the lack thereof. Because, for example, EA beat their earnings estimates, And Roku saw revenue up 81% year-over-year when it reported yesterday, although it did note that streaming hours on its platform was down a whopping 1 billion hours quarter-over-quarter. And Pinterest missed on user growth in Q2 with 454 million monthly active users versus 482 million, which was the estimate, so that even though it beat on revenue, which was up 125% year-over-year, Investors are really not happy at the implication that COVID time usage surges might be over, and the stock was down about 20%. Now, I want to be careful about cherry-picking examples to fit this narrative. Uber and Lyft earnings, for example, seemed not bad, and other good in COVID companies are seeing their stocks hold up. But still, a narrative becomes a narrative when enough people buy into it, and there are a lot of companies that seem to be in the headlights of this narrative. Conversely, on the good in COVID times front, maybe the quintessential COVID times unicorn is Hopin. Hopin was founded to manage virtual events of all shapes and sizes. It was founded in June of 2019. And 
Well, do the calendar math, that was pretty good timing, if you can call it good, like that. Like with Zoom, there was suddenly a surge in demand for what Hoppin could offer folks, quoting CNBC. That wave of demand quickly catapulted Hoppin to unicorn status, with its valuation surging past $2 billion in a November funding round. Hoppin's market value then more than doubled to $5.65 billion in March. Now the company has bagged yet another mega investment, its fourth since February of last year. Hoppin said Thursday it had raised $450 million in a funding round co-led by Arena Holdings and Altimeter Capital. The latest cash injection values the startup at a whopping $7.75 billion, making it one of Europe's most valuable tech unicorns. Hoppin founder Johnny Bufferat, 27, said a lot of his firm's success boiled down to luck. I feel lucky, he told CNBC in an interview Thursday. You work really hard and you make some critical decisions to get your business to where it is, but there's also a really big part of luck that takes you there, end quote. The Australian-born entrepreneur started Hoppin in London in June 2019 after falling ill with an autoimmune disease that prevented him from leaving the house. His company's platform lets organizations host events online with up to 100,000 attendees with tools for virtual talks and one-to-one networking. It proved a hit during the pandemic and now has over 100,000 customers, including American Express and NATO, while more than 17 million users have registered for an account. The rising valuation of the business has made Bufferat Britain's youngest self-made billionaire on paper, according to the Sunday Times Rich List. To put Hoppin's growth into perspective, the company had only eight employees in March 2020. Its headcount now stands at 800. All of Hoppin's employees work remotely. Quote, Quite a few things that had to click in place for that to happen were out of my control. Bufferat said of the company's success, quote, It's actually sad. We wish COVID never happened. We were still growing fast pre-COVID, but obviously COVID was a massive accelerator for the company, end quote. The company says that it now has annual recurring revenue, or ARR, of about $100 million, up from $70 million in March and $20 million in November, end quote. I highly recommend the streaming show The North Water with Colin Farrell. You've got to subscribe to AMC Plus to get it. But it's extraordinarily well done in all ways, including if you've never understood what the whaling industry was probably like in real life, watch this. Whaling was the energy exploration and extraction of its day, and there's actually a tech connection to that. It has been argued that the whole concept of modern venture capital comes from the pools of money that went into backing whaling expeditions in the 1800s. Anyway, not a fun show exactly, a dark and gritty show, but extremely good. Talk to you tomorrow.